Hi Bull. Hi Krishna, everyone. Uh, my name is Kishore Chandra, and we're here for chit chat. Uh, we come on here every night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Myself and Jay Jagannath Prabhu, and we speak about spiritual topics. We took a break yesterday because uh, Jaya was learning some technical skills, uh, but we're back today, and we're back on a very special day. As many of you know, today is uh, Sri Krishna Janmashtami, so Divine Appearance Day of our beloved friend and Lord, Sri Krishna. So I believe that what we'll be doing today is speaking about that. That was the plan. Yeah, Shyam, we'll see if there's a new phone. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of doubt it at this point. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not counting on it, but let's see. <laughs> Jaya is here. So we'll find out. Welcome, Sanjeevani Radha. Hi, Bol. Hi, Bol, Jaya. The phone's ordered. It's just okay. going to take some time. <laughs> okay. To get here. Well, that's good. I'm glad that it's ordered. Okay. It's an Android. <laughs> I'm switching from iPhone to Android. Wow. Big moves. <laughs> <laughs> Happy, happy Janmashtami. Happy Janmashtami. I was telling everyone that uh, we took break yesterday because you were on your little technical class, which I hope went well, and that today we're back and that I believe on the agenda today is to speak about Krishna Janmashtami and to just kind of maybe talk about it in a personal way. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but we, we kind of mentioned something like that, right? Um, I suppose. <laughs> How would you speak about Janmashtami in a personal way? I don't know. We were, I remember two chit chats ago. We were just saying like maybe we could talk, speak some Krishna Leela, our personal realizations, um, or some something like this. We personal, said. Sure, sure. I was saying sharing maybe some of our personal favorite stories. Anyway, something like I, this. Maybe we can start with. Um, uh, well, I would like to start with what I shared on my stories today. Yeah, my I, my, my stories were fun. They were good. <laughs> I love when you call Krishna Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone does. I, I get. I usually get a lot of positive responses to that. Um, yeah. So usually, if you go to Bhagavad Gita chapter four, so in the very outside of that chapter, we encounter the avatar doctrine. Mm. Um, it's very concise, but it kind of gives you all the basic elements of the avatar. Um, the chapter begins with Arjuna telling, well, Krishna telling that he taught the Gita or the doctrine of karma yoga to the sun god. Mm. So Arjuna's like, how? You're my contemporary. The sun god's like millions of years old. How is mm. that possible? And then that leads to Krishna telling about his divinity in a sort of unabashed way. This is mm. the first place where you kind of hear Krishna speak unabashedly about his divinity previous to that in the Gita, he kind of like sneaks it in a couple of places. Mm. But um, in chapter four, because of the question, he has to be like, okay, I'm God. <laughs> um, so there he tells about the avatar, how the avatar descends from the spiritual domain to the material domain by um, his own power, his spiritual power, <clears throat> Atma Yoga. And then, well, the question comes, well, why do you descend? So he says, when there is a decline in dharma and a rise and an expanding of adharma, at that time I come. Oh well, what do you do when you come? Well, to 
deliver the um, virtuous and to annihilate the wicked and to reestablish the principles of dharma. Yep. Um, for this reason, this is what I do when I come. And um, after saying that, in verse 9, Krishna says, anyone who hears about the divine birth, Janma Karma Divyam, the divine birth and activities, and they understand them in truth, the tattva behind them, the sort of ontological reality behind them, then such a devotee, because that's the only person who's going to bother to try to understand it in truth, will uh, attain liberation. Mm. And then in 410, he says, many such devotees have done this. They mm. purify themselves by the austerity of knowledge, of understanding the truth behind the avatar. And they've attained love for the Godhead and attained the spiritual domain. Mm. So that's like kind of the whole avatar doctrine summarized in like four or five verses. It's very nice. So generally the avatar, um, as Krishna says in four eight, which I quoted, Paritranaya Saduna Um generally the avatar's function is to is in relationship to the um, protection and regulation of the material universes. Mm. So that is why the in other words, there's some disruption in the material world that's very profound. And so God has to come in order to set things straight. Um, and so it's related to the function of God in the material world. The, the function of God in the material world is to protect it, control it, and to regulate it. Mm. So the avatar also does that when it, descending into the material world. But what's unique about the Krishna avatar, I mean, there's a whole theology behind it. We're not getting into all the details because this, this is not a course. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the distinction between the Krishna avatar is that his descent is not motivated by the desire for um, regulation and protection of the material universes. Mm. Although, if you look at some of the stories that are related to what happens right before Krishna descends, it does appear to be the motivating factor. Oh, well, because of this, Krishna's descending. But he actually is not motivated in any way by the sort of ups and downs of vicissitudes mm. of the material world. This can be a little bit of an uncomfortable idea for noobs or people who aren't devotees. But mm. Krishna says in the Gita, chapter 9, verse 29, Som oham sarabhute shuname do shostina priya. Ye bhajanti tuman bhaktiya. I'm forgetting the last line these days. This is like my verse. Anyway, Krishna says that he looks upon all souls in the material world with an equal eye. Mm. So that means he's not like, if they do virtuous activities, it's not like he's like, good job and if they're doing something vicious he's not like oh my god we got to like do something about that he looks at all souls neutrally mm. and the the word um the explanation that's given for that is like a judge mm. so if you break the law he punishes you if you are needed to be rewarded something he gives it to you but he has no personal interest in the individual at hand mm. he's just neutral so god as the controller of the world is neutral towards the living entities. He's actually the dispenser of karmas. So when the jivas are walling out, then he's <laughs> like, okay, y'all walling out, y'all need to be punished. <laughs> and it's not like, but you know, but you're a God, you should be merciful. He's like, no, y'all walling out, you need to be punished. <laughs> and if you're, you know, acting virtuous, he's like, yeah, it's your karma, now you'll enjoy in the material world. He's just neutral. 
But Krishna is not neutral. He says, this is the same verse. So, in his feature as the control of the world, he's neutral. But as God, the lover, so to speak, as Bhagavan, he says, anyone who does my bhajan with bhakti, then I am in him because of attachment to that devotee. Mm. And they are in me because of their attachment to me. Mm. Uh, and then the verse after that, which is also a very famous verse, he's, he speaks of his attachment being so profound that even if his devotee does anything crazy, mm. that he said, you should consider him a sadhu if he's my bhakta, which is, we, ain't, we don't have time for that sort of class right now. <laughs> but he does say that, which is like a kick in the face of all the people who are like working really hard to be like dharmic. And Krishna's like, yeah, whatever. But if you're his <laughs> devotee, and, he, and the devotee does something crazy, I mean, he uses the word sudarachar, which means like, ex- like extremely bad behaviors, something crazy. But he's like, repents by just taking shelter of bhakti. Krishna says he should be considered a sadhu. Mm. So that's how deep his attachment is for his devotees. So mm. anyway, the reason I'm bringing all of this up is that Krishna's motivation for his descent in this material world is in relationship to his bhakta. Mm. So the, although there are many stories that precede the descent of Krishna into the world that make it appear that he's descending as an avatar to perform the function of the avatar, regulating and protecting the universes. He actually has no interest in that. None of that can actually, none of the vicissitudes in the material world actually stirs his heart into action. Mm. It is only something that is happening directly in relationship to his devotees or desire to do something special for his special devotees is he motivated to descend. And so General Gaudiya Vaishnava theology, as revealed by Kavi Raj Goswami, the author of Chaitanya Chaitamrita, is that Krishna's descent is actually to experience the love of his devotees mm-hmm. and, and then to later on broadcast that love for the people of the future so mm. that they may get an opportunity to hear about that love and thus be attracted to it. And mm. being so attracted to that love, turn their backs on the misery that is essentially informed so-called love of this material world, which is completely mm. miserable. So that's, that's our starting point. That's a good starting point. It's a good starting point. I love, I love that you brought up the so-called love. <laughs> <laughs> because we speak about that a lot on Chit Chat. We speak about the the dualistic kind of love that exists in the material world yeah. and then the non-dual love that comes through service and devotion and bhajan with Krishna. And something that I really appreciated that you just brought up was about uh, this, this verse in the ninth chapter of, the book of Bhagavad Gita about Krishna not really being neutral, that he has a soft spot in his heart for his devotees and not only just a soft spot but like he actually came for that love and right. and something that i also really like that you brought up was this this kind of judge right so krishna's kind of new if you're doing pious activities you can imagine the judge just being like you're innocent great yeah go, go continue living your life it's and not then, even you know, not even not even great it's just like, yeah not even just like because judges are next exactly next bam. And then, oh, you're guilty, you're going to jail, you know, like this. But then when we think about it, it's like the judge has that function. And so Krishna has that function as, you know, regulator, controller, etc. But then the judge also has friends, 
who don't see him as a judge. And the judge also has like children who don't see him as a judge. And the judge has parents who don't see him as a judge, don't treat him as a judge. Like that's a completely different, like, uh, you know, reality than the whole like, okay, next, next, next kind of thing. And, you know, when we think about Krishna Lila, when we think about this beautiful, the beautiful pastimes that Krishna enacted, it's like, especially when we're opening our hearts to, to want to become devotees of Krishna, it's like, it's really, really special to know, this has been my meditation today, because these past couple of days I've been feeling, I was talking to you over um, privately, and, um, you know, full disclosure, <laughs> I've been feeling like a little bit lazy, you know, like the beach vibes, just like on the hammock, just kind of like whatever, just like this. And I've been feeling a little lazy um, in my bhajan and with laziness and... Little. Little, little. <laughs> but with, with laziness, I didn't tell, tell you about this. With laziness for me, like laziness came kind of like, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Like paired with anxiety a little bit because like I would find myself being really lazy and then I'd be like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing this? And, and oh, job, career, blah, 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 like all the stuff started coming up. And then, you know, I would just kind of counteract that with more laziness. And it was like this vicious cycle. And today, you know, being Krishna Janmashtami, I really, you know, all devotees try to do something special for today. So I really, really tried to just be like from morning to right now, just listen to Kirtan, listen to lectures, read chant my rounds, like nothing. Like the moment that I would feel myself wanting to just like lay on the couch and do nothing, I'd be like, no, let me read some pastime. Or the moment I found myself wanting to like turn on the Netflix, I was just like, no, no, just for today. Just I also, for today. Let I me really, not yeah. watch the Netflix. Let me just like do something else, you know? Or if I was on my phone on Instagram, the moment I saw myself going to like some other story or whatever, no, 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 let me see what the devotees are posting about Sri Krishna Janmashtami. And I really, you know, I found such a sweetness and such a gift in that, you know, because especially when I started reading, I started rereading some of my favorite pastimes, some of my favorite Krishna Leela. I was just like, God, like, this is for us, you know, like, this is, this is for us to not get lost and, you know, turned around and like, you know, thrown asunder by the material world. Like, this is really for us. And I started remembering last year you know when things were normal uh and we could go places and do things i was in vrindavan for kartik and i was at guru maharaj's uh kartik yatra and it was just like it was like bliss like it was complete and utter bliss to not allow the well in vrindavan i didn't even have to like not i didn't even have to try much the energy was so pure and potent and Maharaj's storytelling uh, of the Leela was like super amazing. Like it was captivating. Everyone there was just captivated. So in Vrindavan, I didn't really have to try that hard um, because it's kind of the nature of the place. But just in general, I was just having this realization today of like, wow, like this, this is really here for us, you know? And it's every day after this Janmashtami, like it's our decision of how much we want to kind of step towards it or we're just like yeah you know like let me get my rounds done or let me do this it seems like a chore it seems like a it seems like a you know rudinary thing uh but it's such a beautiful you know 
sacred thing that we can we can kind of choose to have that relationship if we really want to because it's it's there for us like krishna literally came for us you know he he comes for um to perform these pastimes of love mm. and um you know love is one of those words that everyone gets bubbly over when they hear it and we've often tried to clarify there's a distinction between what I like to, I like to call it non-dual love and dualistic love. And the love in the material world, not only is it perverted because it's centered on the self and it engages things, basically the animate things, which are the bodies of living entities or inanimate things like a cell phone, it engages things, animate or inanimate, and one's own self-satisfaction or gratifications. And so it's perverted. Mm. Um, and, but it is love that we are desiring. It's love that people who consider themselves spiritual, they, they intuit it that there's, it is love that the world requires in order to redeem itself. Mm. The only problem with the general way we think about love is that the, our potential for love and the object of our love is, um, which is normally a material body, is incompatible mm. because they're, they're part of two different categories. If there is such a thing as spiritual love, it can't be aimed at a material body. And so, but the general habit of the conditioned soul, we're all conditioned souls. And so we're, we have habits that we've been conditioned to over many lifetimes. So our general habit is to direct that feeling of love, whatever that feeling is that you'd like to put the term love on it. Our tendency is to direct that at your bodies. And of course, people sometimes they like to trick themselves and say, it's not really the bodies. It's just like some, a, new, a newbie to his, um, spiritual life. I hear this from every newbie in spiritual life, talking about sex and all that. They're like, I don't have sex for pleasure. And I was like, <laughs> Saint Francis of Assisi. Of course, you have your special pleasure. So the the object are that feeling, whatever it is, uh, that feeling which we like to call love, and the object that is directed are incompatible, so it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, it just is basically in short term. It's just sensuality dragging our souls deeper into the dark well that is this material world. Hmm. Okay, so my attraction to Christian Bhakti, just on this point, is that when you think of love, especially love for the person, it's central. What would be meaning? What would be the meaning of the word love without a lover and a beloved? And what would be the meaning of a lover and a beloved without senses? Hmm. You know, what would be the exchange between two such um, entities? So love requires a lover and a beloved. This is my logic. And the lover and beloved, they require senses in order to express that love. Mm. You know, a voice, eyes, and texture, all these things are together used to express love. But our only experience of senses is material. And so mm. our so-called love ends up dragging us to the material world. Okay, so when I first read SSR, that was my first book, Science of Civilization. That was my first book. I, I get the, you know, I've often mentioned this. My whole motivation was, is romantic love a real thing? Hmm. I was intuiting no, and then I read SSR, and Prabhupada says no. 
He <laughs> says, there is no such thing as love in this material world. That is false propaganda. So that mm. was like a blow to my whole motivation for investigation to spiritual life. Mm. But in the very last chapter of SSR, and I'm going to read a little section, um, Prabhupada points out that there is love but that love is possible with the absolute reality or within the realm of the absolute reality. Mm. And there's a, there's a perfect object of love that is called the Vishaya Vigra, the object of love that is Krishna. And there's the perfect vessel of love mm. that is called the Ashraya Vigra, means the vessel of love. And we as jivas, we have potential to become vessels of love. Mm. Now we are vessels of bullshit, but we do have the <laughs> ability, if we so choose, by following Bhagavatam, Bhakti Yoga, we have the ability to become these perfect vessels of love, mm. you know, and it's, it's, it's a dynamic, it's not the sort of dry perfection that we normally tend to think of, like when we think of a utopia or perfect, sorry, we don't have to take it. As a principle, it's possible to be a vessel of love. And so mm. also love itself, because you're a vessel, you're holding that love. So that love itself mm. has its own ontological reality that is in some sense distinct from beloved and the leader. Okay, mm. so anyway, so this love, if you become a perfect vessel of love, the perfect object of love is Krishna, the Vishaya, and that which ties them together is called bhakti or love. And that experience that is exchanged between the perfect vessel of love and the object of love is sensual in nature. Mm. It's, so I'm going to read this part. This is, this is coming in SSR, the last chapter. And this is a book that we give to noobs. We give this book to noobs. So mm. I can't get in trouble for reading this because <laughs> this is literally one of the first books that we will give to a noob in Christian <laughs> Check this out. This is far out. And I... In unalloyed love of Godhead, we have to engage our senses, sarvendriya, all the senses. This means that sex is also to be engaged in Christian consciousness. So you, you hear that, you're like, okay, I like the way this is going. I like the direction <laughs> of this. So the conception of God as a father or mother does not allow the engagement of one's sex in the service of the Lord because there is no sexual relationship with the father and mother. Mm. Okay. But in the conception of God as a lover, there is sexual engagement also. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave the most perfect information of our engagement with the Supreme Lord. In other religious conceptions of life, God is at the utmost taken as a father or mother. Mm. Many worshippers in India take the goddess Kali to be the representation of God. Of course, that is not sanctioned, but the belief is there. And also in the Christian religion, the conception of God is as a father. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu informs us that one can even have sexual engagement with the Lord. Mm. Remember, this is coming from a beginner's book. <laughs> so if anyone tries to trick off on me, saying um bhakti center we don't know jai was sharing some really weird <laughs> stuff on chit chat these are carl Paz words from a book that we give to noobs okay noobs i like that word it's such That's a, a good funny, word it almost sounds derogatory but you know a newbie okay 
So let me reread this. It, it's, it's not over. Um, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu informs us that one can even have sexual engagement with the Lord. This information is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's unique contribution. In this material world, sexual engagement is considered to be the highest engagement, the greatest pleasure, although it exists only in a perverted form. We've already tried to describe this to some degree. Mm -hmm. No one, however, has conceived that there can be sexual engagement in the spiritual world. There is not a single instance of such theology anywhere in the entire world. This information is given for the first time by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. One can have the Supreme Personality of Godhead as one's husband or as one's lover. Mm -hmm. We ain't get into all the esoterics right now. That may not be appropriate. <laughs> this is possible in the worship of Radha and Krishna, but no one, especially the impersonalists, can understand Radha Krishna. Mm -hmm. The impersonalists have no idea. And the impersonalist includes all those people who call themselves spiritual and they think that spirituality is found at the lowest common denominator between all the religions. Mm. They're impersonalists. In other words, most of the secular world or people who come from the secular world, when they think of themselves as spiritual, they think of a spirituality devoid of anything that gives it meaningful content. Because mm -hmm. as soon as you give it any sort of meaningful content, it's going to be at odds with some other thing. So spirituality is found precisely at the point of the lowest common denominator. So God is light. God is beauty. It usually becomes some sort of abstract, amorphous sort of substance. But not, that's impersonalism. So the impersonalism, they don't know about this Radha Krishna. Mm -hmm. we, talk, we talk about Radha Krishna <laughs> and having God as my lover. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So the impersonalists have no idea. They cannot even conceive that God has a form. Mm. Chaitanya Mahabharu says that not only does God have form, but he has sex life also. Mm. This is the highest contribution of Chaitanya Mahabharu. So anyway, coming back to why Krishna <laughs> appears, among many of the reasons for Krishna's appearance that's mentioned by Acharyas is to display the loving pastimes yes. and, and braja specifically the loving pastimes that he performs with the gopis of Vrindavan, who are the highest forms of vessels of love, so to speak. Mm. Um, and the idea of displaying these leelas in the material world so that the conditioned souls in the future can hear about them and be inspired to pursue that path that will lead to that type of love. Mm. And after all, that is when we say that that's what we're missing when we talk about relationships, that's the relationship we're missing. I know mm. we tend to like to say it's relationship with other jivas in the material world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, not really. Those relationships have mm. meaning when they connect us to our source. Mm. And outside of that, our relations with one another are, I'm trying to put it in a nice way, but I'm not really find the, finding the language. <laughs> anyway, there's a, we, we hear this from Raghunath, there's a Christian-sized hole. Yes. The more than, in the heart, the more than the Christian-sized hole, there's, it's, it's a hole, it's a hole of, for a specific type of love. Mm. And the whole purpose of our tradition 
is to attract the souls to a type of love that they will mm. feel fully inspired mm. to pursue and embody in their own life. Either that mm. love as a friend, as a parent, or even as a lover. Mm. I um. This is a lot. Sorry, y'all kind of getting like a little theology class here. Apologies. <laughs> it's awesome. I love bringing up these these kinds of topics and chit chat because I think that they bring up a lot of questions that people have. Adi Hall was speaking about like, uh, you know, wanting partnership and wanting to have that yearning for human companionship, but feeling at odds with it. And maybe maybe this can be a topic that we talk about maybe like tomorrow or the day the day after. Tomorrow's Shri Prabhupada's Vyas Puja. But, yes. you know, maybe we can, we'll see what we talk about tomorrow. But something about what you were just speaking right now in regards to the theological aspects of it, I think, you know, it really resonates with, I feel like what we were speaking a couple of days ago, where we brought up this point uh, of like, you know, uh, I think sanity versus insanity, what is sane and what is insane, you know, what is yes. truth and what is untruth. We're taking the cause of our suffering to be the cause of our happiness. We're taking that which is impure to be pure like this. Yes. And ignorance. so, and ignorance. And so when we look at these Krishna Leela, you know, when we look at Krishna mercifully coming down to show us these pastimes so that we can learn from them, so that we can, like you're saying, I really like this definition or this, this what you just said about like, uh, that different type of love, right? Like that different type of love that we're meant for. Because, you know, I'm just going to keep it real for a moment. Like the love, the, let me, I got to get my air quotes. The love, the love that a lot of us are experiencing or have experienced, you know, comes along with a lot of suffering and heartbreak. It comes along, yes, along with a lot of perversion and with a lot of, you know, just like nasty things. Like, let's be real. You know, we don't, I don't need to be specific, but let's be real. And so I have a lot of personal experience in that, unfortunately. And, uh, but it has taught me a lot. And one thing that I was going to say is, you know, we were speaking about two or three chit chats ago about Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And we were saying, ooh, the sun. And we were saying, um, we were saying about like, <laughs> we were saying how, you know, that, that when Sri Chaitanya kind of like, um, there's these chapters in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that kind of describe when he goes into ecstasies and describe, you know, the, the ecstasies and how they manifest in his body. And, it, you know, it, it seems kind of insane, you know, like a lot of the gopis behavior when you're reading Krishna Leela, it seems kind of like out there, you know, what you just read seems kind of crazy, you know seems kind of insane but like you said this is a book that we give to noobs and i think that the reason that Srila Prabhupada is speaking like this and the, you know ssr science of self-realization Prabhupada is pretty like intense in that book like he's pretty like nice. straightforward which i love about but i also think that like you know people come to krishna consciousness when they get to that point i mean not all the time some people are like straight up you know that that first way in was the prashadam but I feel like a lot of the a lot of people that I've spoken to, you know, and I've heard a lot of um, stories of how people come to Krishna consciousness. It's it's that deep, deep longing for something real, that deep longing for real love, that that kind of like, you know, that kind of aha moment that people have reached, where it's just like, is this it? Like, is this is this it? Because this does not seem like that great you know this seems full of suffering full of disappointment you know i've spoken to a lot of people that have gotten to a point in their life 
where they're realizing that like they're being duped you know we like using that word a lot that like this is this must be some crazy illusion that we're living in because like it feels like every time i take a step forward in my material life i get knocked over i'm getting duped like this and so you know anyway just to make this very long point just to put the nail on the head or hit the head with the nail you know what i'm saying um wow it's <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm saying what I'm saying is that, you know, once we start to really, you know, faith is very much comes by virtue of, of mercy of, of association like this. But once we really start to have that faith and read this Krishna Lila like this, it's like we really start to understand like like that shift starts to happen where it's just like, oh, actually, like this material world and the way that people are engaging in so-called so-called love like that's actually insane like that's actually the insanity you know like going going to the clubs doing the thing you know whatever whatever like that's actually like crazy and then when you read krishna lila when you read like the gopis like going crazy looking for krishna like acting out his you know lila like this you realize how how sweet and enchanting and otherworldly that is you know it's something so beyond so esoteric that I kind of need the help of purification. I need purification to even begin to understand that, to even begin to step into that, you know? Because someone first coming might hear, you know, Krishna Leela, or they might hear something like this. And they I might got be like, something ah! for that. They might be yeah, like, ah! like this, you know? Because they're so accustomed to the insanity of the material world. Okay, right. I, there was a lot of comments. I wasn't looking I think at them a lot. There, there are a lot of comments, but they, they're basic. There are questions surrounding sex with god sex. <laughs> sex wait wait back up, back up. slow down slow down i need to go in slow motion did you just say sex with god <laughs> so um, I'm, that's what i'm gonna name this episode because you know how i always name the episode yeah yeah <laughs> slow down you're moving too fast wait i didn't even hear what y'all said the last 15 minutes I'm way back here on sex with God. Like, what? so I like to say in this regard, and Sunny T was helping out here also. Yeah. That um, the verse I quoted from the Avatar section of the Gita, Janma Karma Chame Divyam Evam Yogeti So one has to understand the birth and activities. So sex is a type of activity. You have to understand them in truth. So the problem of the conditioned souls mm -hmm. is that we have no experience of spiritual sensuality. Exactly. Our only experience is of the material world. And naturally, when there's the divine descent into this world, there's a, I don't know if this is right, there's a facsimile to the material idea. Like they look like, oh, these are like humans doing human things. So Krishna even addresses this point in the Gita in chapter 9, verse 11. That when I descend in my human form, um, fools deride me. And the idea here is that because we have no prior experience of the spiritual domain and the forms and the senses and the sensuality of the, that, that, that domain, we impose our experience onto that reality when it descends before our purview and we get the wrong understanding of it. And therefore, mm. Krishna talks about understanding and truth and tattva. So that's mm. what all the philosophy is for. So hearing the tattva, the word tattva means reality. 
principles. That's how we, we'll define the word tattva as reality principles. That's a huge part of bhakti yoga. It's not just like clenching our heart and, you know, singing, which is also okay. That's good too. That should go on. But it's also understanding the reality principles that inform or underpin mm. the clenching of the heart and singing at top throat. And that is a distinction between like a devotee and let's say like a Krishna Das, for example. I probably shouldn't have dropped that name. This is no disrespect to him. But he's not, he's not a Krishna Bhakta. He's mm. an impersonalist by his own philosophy and admittance. So he has a totally different understanding of Krishna and his birth and the leaveless and so on. So when he does kirtan, it is also nice. It has some, anyway, it's nice. <laughs> but it's not like a devotee who's got underpinning that singing, mm. the reality principles, which are given to mm. us by Krishna and literature say like the Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm. So understanding the sex life of God, for example, that requires getting your shit together Step by step, study of Bhagavad Gita, study of Srimad Bhagavatam. For Gaudiya tradition, Chaitanya Charitamrita is a very dear literature. The literatures of the Goswamis of Vrindavan, who are the founding fathers, so to speak, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Mm. At least they were the first ones to articulate it in its concrete form that we have today. And they have hella literatures. Brihabhavtamrita, Lalita Madhava, Vidagda Madhava, uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Gopal so Champu. many Gopal Champu. So They're like this. So many books are there. Why? Just so you can be established in Sambandha. The word Sambandha means relationship. Yes. And Sambandha Gyan means knowledge of the Sambandha, how to relate. So if we don't have Sambandha Gyan, then you can't really relate to that reality. Because you don't yeah. know it is. So that's just a really important factor. So just I'm, I'm, I'm circumventing all these questions about, wait a minute. Sex with God. Can you yeah, go back to that? Can you I, I see that. I see there's that you're circumventing, and I think that there's a there's a really good reason why. Because you know, I mean, like chit chat is supposed to be like just a casual conversation about chit, but this is you know, still casual. This is still casual. Like sometimes we get into like deep chit. You know, like I remember we had that that time where we went into like the 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 verses explaining the meaning of of pure bhakti in bhakti rasamrita sindhu. So like there are moments where we're like, hey, we just need to clear up some chit. And this is what it is, you know? But at the end of the day, yes. I'm really happy that you brought up Sambandha Gyan because it's like our relationship with Krishna, you know, is a personal relationship that we have responsibility over, you know? Like we, you and me and everyone, we have our responsibility in that relationship with Krishna. And developing that relationship, you know, just like any relationship, except that it's not just like any relationship, it's the highest relationship, requires to, me to know my chit, you know, like, yes. you're, like you're mentioning, Jaya, uh, study of Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, like this, and all the literatures you mentioned like this, because I think, you know, I like that you brought up the kirtan point and the singing point. When you hear devotees who have really like been doing kirtan for a long time, and I remember, I remember specifically like, okay, I'm thinking of Janavi, and Janavi obviously has a very beautiful voice. But for those that know Janavi personally, she's also like an extremely inspiring devotee. And like, I remember hearing the first time she gave Bhagavatam class at Bhakti Center, and I was like, I was so it's like endeared. It's like, it's like it was like, candy. it was like cotton like candy. Cotton I was candy. just like, oh. 
<laughs> you know? And and then like becoming her friend and hearing her realizations of, of of Krishna and like this, it's like it just made me appreciate her 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 kirtan so much more, you know? And every time I, I hear her, I I know very deeply from like the core of myself, like that it is an empowerment that comes from beyond she just has a nice voice and she's kind of classically trained and like this, you know, it's totally beyond that. And I think that that's really what we're striving for in whatever, in whatever, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, path or dharma or whatever that I, career, what, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like activity that we do in life, it should really, it should really like, it, it will fall flat without that empowerment. And that empowerment comes from developing my relationship with Krishna, my Sambandha Gyan. How much do I know about what it is that I'm trying to do, you know, like this. Yeah, I have this. So I think it's a very good point. I have this image in my head, you know, like hearing Janavi, you're giving that example. And we're like, mm, I'm hearing that Sambanda coming through, girl. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Whereas exactly. You hear like a noob singing or like someone who's not a devotee, you're like, ooh, where's your Sambanda child? <laughs> I brought this like, up get on back in them classes. Oh my God. This, this, is, this, is a good, this is a good new shirt, by the way. Where's that Sambanda? Or like, get, you better get your Sambanda on check or something like that. Um, but I, I've brought this up on Chit Chat before where I remember like I brought Jaya once to like a, a, a yoga studio kirtan. I won't mention which one my, it was. was. And let's just say, <laughs> let's just say that there was not a lot of Sambanda going on there. And that's exactly what Jaya's response was. He was like, hmm, hmm. I was, I was polite about it though. I was you were polite. About it. <laughs> you were but polite. I was, but I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Krishna. Oh, like, what God. do you think? What do you think of the kirtan? I'm like, um, <laughs> it, it lacked um, some banda. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a really nice preparation without the salt. Yeah, it was kind of kind of like that. Anyway, we don't want to be haters. I did. Want to share, I, I did. I did want to share something to close yes, out. Share. My phone is like blazing fire right now. I don't. I don't even know how it's not shutting down yet. Time to and go. I'm read like, what you got to read. like less than 10%. So <laughs> I'm going to clock down here. I'm going to just try to read as much as I can. Just about the importance of hearing Krishna Leela. Prabhupada mm. writes about this. Here he writes. The pastimes of the Lord are generally heard and relished by liberated souls. Mm. Those who are conditioned souls are interested in reading stories of the material activities of some common man. Hence Netflix. Although similar narrations describing the transcendental activities of the Lord are found in the Bhagavatam, the conditioned souls still prefer to study ordinary narrations. Yeah, you're right. They are not interested in studying the narrations of the pastimes of the Lord, Krishna. And yet, the description of the pastimes of Krishna are so attractive that they are relishable for all classes of men. Mm. There are three classes of men in this world. One class consists of liberated souls. Another consists of those who are trying to be liberated. Those are called practitioners, sadhakas. And the third consists of materialistic men. They aren't even trying for no sort of spiritual life. Rather one is liberated or is trying to be liberated or is even grossly materialistic. Pastimes of Lord Krishna are worth studying. Mm. This is Prabhupada's Krishna book. This is one of the first books he had printed and distributed to his devotees. I want to read a little bit more here. 
Because he's like, okay, well, because the re- only reason I'm bringing this out is because of the sex life thing came up. Mm. So I'm going to, I'm giving cautious encouragement to allow ourselves uh, the chance to be attracted mm. to Christian Lila. So Proverbs writes, liberated souls have no interest in materialistic activities. Okay, not me. The impersonalist theory that after liberation, one becomes inactive and need not hear anything does not prove that a liberal person is actually inactive. Okay, he speaks something about that. A, li- a living soul cannot be inactive. He is active either in the conditioned state or in a liberated state. A diseased person, for example, is also active, but his activities are all painful. Mm. Uh, I think he's talking about me. That's exactly <laughs> me. The same person when freed from the diseased condition is still active, but in a healthy condition, the activities are full of pleasure. All right. I like the way that sounds. <laughs> Similarly, the impersonalists only seek to get free from the disease condition activities, but they have no information of activities in a healthy condition. Those who are actually liberated and in full knowledge take to hearing the activities of Krishna. Such engagement is pure activity. So he's mm. trying to say that if you become liberated, then your interest will be only in hearing these stories of Krishna because mm. they are relishable for such liberated individuals. Then it goes down to say, I'm just going to have to summarize because I'm really on the clock down here. Because um, someone may ask, well, what about Krishna's acts with the gopis? Like, that's taboo. Mm. So on that point, Prabhupada brings this up. This Krishna Kata will also be very much appealing to the most materialistic persons because, because, <laughs> wait, because Krishna's pastimes with the gopis are exactly like the loving affairs between young girls and boys within this material world. Wait, what? Actually, the sex feeling found in human society is not unnatural because the same sex feeling is there in the original personality of Godhead. Mm. The pleasure potency is called Srimati Radharani. The attraction of loving affairs on the basis of sex feeling is the original feature of the personality of Godhead. And we, the conditioned souls, being part and parcel of the Supreme, have sex feelings also but they are experienced within a perverted, minute condition. Okay, that's our problem. For when those who are after sex life in this material world, <laughs> um, hear about Christians pastimes with the gopis, they will relish transcendental pleasure, although it appears to be materialistic. The advantage will be that they will gradually be elevated to the spiritual mm. platform. And then he quotes a verse from the last verse of the 33rd chapter of the 10th canto. Anyway, so that's just like a little encouragement. The encouragement is to get your sambanda together. Get your chit together. That's the encouragement. And mm. in stages. But at one point on the way towards the highest development, there's this, this hearing about mm. the pleasure potency of the spirituality. It's very attractive. It's very inspiring. And when Gaudi Vaishnava speak about bhakti, that's what we're talking about. It's not just this generic, you got to love everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> you know, we, we definitely need to start there because we're, we're doing really bad in that department. So that's mm. like a good way to go. But that's not the extent of it. And frankly, mm. unless you come to understand the full scope of your trajectory, even if you're somewhere in the beginning, but the full potential of the direction you're moving in, then you may not be interested in moving much further. Mm. And so 
every now and again, like a Jamashimi day, <laughs> you might take a little advantage of the opportunity to allow yourself to taste some of the ideas which give us some notion of the full scope of our potential as bhakti practitioners. Mm. And not just reducing it to acts that relate to others in this world, mm. which is not the goal of bhakti tradition, at least as articulated by Gaudiya Vaishnavas. So I, anyway, I'm hoping to whet the appetite a little bit here of our listeners and at, being cautious at the same time, but whetting the appetite at the same time. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm yeah. trying to do. I hope so too. I hope our listeners have lots of questions. Please, if you have if you have questions, you can always um, send a message to Jai Jagannath or myself. I'm sure he'll be happy to point you in the right direction, or myself, I'll be happy to point you in the right direction, which will probably be him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, and there's lots of you know, it, uh, there's always opportunity for deeper study, and for for you know, Bhakti Center itself offers like a bunch of intro to bhaktis and Bhagavad Gita and understanding sacred relationships. And maybe Jaya will uh, start offering some things to the Bhakti Center, question mark. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to talk to Doyle probably this week. <laughs> okay. Um, but if not, Jaya also has everyone. I know like his video is now, you know, this isn't, but it's, I'm just saying because like I did it and it was amazing. On Jaya's website, um, he has like, Right on your website, Jaya, you have the Bhagavad Gita, maybe like, he has like a workbook of, of like a course, a recorded course of Bhagavad Gita. And then he has a recorded course of the first part of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that are like amazing. So if you're ever wanting to kind of like go deeper in your stuff for Jaya and for Bhakti Center, and thank you everyone for joining. Uh, thank you for all your, your loving presence and questions and your laughter. It's so wonderful to be here with you each night at 6 p.m. Happy Sri Krishna Janmastami. And we'll see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. How are you? How are you, Paul? Hey, Krishna. Bye, Jai. Bye. Bye.